0: Hello and welcome to Carlos and Lisa. I'm Carlos Emesqua. Lisa will be along in just a moment. We lost a beloved member of the Los Angeles community. Lakers star Kobe Bryant was, as you know by now, killed in a helicopter crash in Calabasas. He was, of course, an icon, a superstar and a family man. He and his wife, Vanessa, had four girls, youngest born just last June. His 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, was also killed in the crash. She was known as Gigi father and daughter were heading to uh, the mamba sports academy for a basketball tournament in thousand oaks at the time of the accident of course we all know his nickname was black mamba fans descended on the mamba sports academy in remembrance of uh, his passing also people gathered in calabasas near the site of the crash wearing kobe's number eight and number 24 jerseys you could see them staring up at the mountain and wondering what happened and outside of Staples Center, where he won his championships, people gathered outside, even though the Grammys were going on inside. Well, Brian Martin, our uh, Beyond TV correspondent, is here. He spoke with LA Lakers teammate Mark Matson just a few minutes ago, and uh, I'm sure he was shocked, like we all were.
1: Everybody. Just absolute disbelief. I mean, everybody was walking around looking at phones, going, wait, can this be for real? What oh, no, happened today? Seriously. How did this happen? Was it true? My son texts me, Dad, did you hear about this? And I go, I I don't want to even believe that right now, so let's just pretend it didn't happen. And I think that's what everybody was going through today. You go down social media, you have Shaq and, I mean, Mark Madsen himself. Everybody was, like, just unbelievable.
0: Right here, Brian, on on my phone, Barack Obama. Kobe was a legend on the court and just getting started, and it would have been just as meaningful a second act. So, I mean, and the president also tweeted uh, about him. So yeah, this this, this is being felt
1: worldwide. Tough news. And you talk to Mark Madsen, what an interesting perspective. I mean, he played with Shaq and Kobe during the great years back in the early 2000s. I mean, this is a guy who was right next to Kobe in the middle of his greatness. And he says, this is one player who pushed me, unlike anybody else, to just constantly get better and better and better always there, late, every day, demanding, forcing his entire team to just be a better basketball you player. You know,
0: when you speak to Shaq about, and, and funnily enough, or interestingly enough, not funny, uh, we did not, I never interviewed him. Hmm. Never got a I talked Kobe. to all the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. Rick Fox, Shaq, I, 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 all around him. <laughs> go the whole Kobe, team, yeah. Kobe uh, was not necessarily uh, friendly to the media all the time, mm-hmm. so the couple opportunities that I would have had, he wasn't interested in speaking, so I, we didn't get a chance to. But Mark and him had a really interesting relationship, and I, and I want to hear what he had to say to you.
1: Yeah, it's a very great conversation that I was able to chat with him, so let's uh, see what Mark has to say.
2: It's been a hard day. It's been a really hard day. I think when I first got the news, I honestly thought it was a joke. I thought it was a prank that someone was like, and then I, I kept checking the news. The first thought I had is, this is too soon. This is too soon yeah. for COVID, but... Obviously, we, we don't make that decision. But my thoughts and condolences go out to Kobe's family.
1: You were part of, I guess, this Laker legacy. Take me back to what it was like to be a teammate of, uh, of Kobe Bryant and what, what he was as you know more than just a player, beyond the player, but as a person as well.
2: Well, I think, first of all, let, let me start with Kobe as a player. Kobe brought so much happiness and excitement into people's lives, including us as his teammates. I remember the time that Kobe played against Michael Jordan at the Staples Center, It was it was a showdown. Michael Jordan was with the Washington Wizards, and Kobe went out there, and I think he got 50 points. I think he made 12 through and it was just, there was so much excitement in the arena. And so as a player, Kobe just held himself to such a high standard. Anyway, it was a beautiful thing to see as a person. Kobe loved his family. Kobe loved his daughters. He loved his wife. And he spent so much time with them. I was with him as a player and as a coach ten years later, a decade later almost. And and Kobe loved
1: his family. What what in your mind makes Kobe Bryant this larger than life kind of basketball global? icon that we have all come to know over the many years?
2: I came in as a rookie. I think Kobe had already been in the NBA between two, three, four years. And so he was a veteran. I was a rookie, but I was older than he was. And so the first year was kind of smooth sailing all the way around. Uh, We won a championship, celebrations at the parade. But then in year two, me personally, Kobe really, he wanted to push me. He wanted to push me so that he made me my personal best so the team could be its best possible self also. I had never been pushed that hard in my life. Look, I played at a great university, Stanford. I played at a great high school. I was pushed really hard. Kobe pushed me harder than I thought I could be pushed. Sometimes I didn't know if I could go any further. But he was doing it to help me. He was doing it to help me grow as a player. He was doing it to help the team. Some of those moments were hard. There were some times where Kobe had butted heads. I remember one time I waited for him after practice in the Staples Center and I said, why are you going at me like this? He told me to keep working. He told me to keep working. And our relationship progressed every year. When I came back to coach him 10 years later, Kobe was very different. He was more mellow. He still had complete control of the game in every way. But he was just a more mellow person in, in,
1: in different ways. I know you posted on social media today uh, about, uh, I guess, what some of the Christmas gifts and things that he gave you. Tell us about what, uh, what you posted about.
2: Well, I mean, there's so many memories, but yeah. Bill Jackson used to, you know, to, to do a gift exchange at, at Christmas. and If so I happened to draw Kobe's name, Kobe drew my name. So I'll never forget, on Christmas Day, I, I had bought Kobe a book of poetry, 101 famous It's a book that is meaningful to my family. I bought him a box of chocolates, I gave it to him. Kobe said, you're gonna have two custom-made Italian suits, the table will be at the practice site shortly. And I'm telling you, I kept those suits as long as I could fit into those suits. Think about it, six years ago, I was about plus 20 pounds, I could no longer fit into them. Kobe was just a generous person. He was a generous person. You stepped on that court, you meant business. But off the court, one of those generous, kind-hearted people you're going to meet. <laughs> it's a great sense of humor.
1: Yeah. You have to kind of smile when you're, yeah. you know, looking back on uh, on a life that has passed like you that. You
0: know, but uh, he had a unique uh, relationship with Italy because he played there. He grew up there. Part of his life growing up there, he speaks perfect Italian. Interesting. Spanish. He grew up playing soccer. So, yeah. I mean, this is this is a, a well-rounded uh, young man, Kobe Bryant.
1: Indeed. Yeah. You know, L.A. has definitely been grieving uh, dealing with this. Social yeah. media is exploding with all sorts of memories and uh, condolences as yeah, well. Yeah, I
0: mean, my phone, every... every other one was right.
1: a, was a Kobe story it's, of some yeah. sort.
0: And we see people uh, with the, as I said earlier, with the jerseys walking around uh, the complex where we record uh, this this program. Also, uh, people walking around with I the know. jerseys, yeah. uh, We're at number know. 24. It's it's definitely impacting everyone around us. So of course, this is part of the Los Angeles family, right? As I said at the top,
1: uh, at uh, on Twitter, Shaq said Kobe was so much more than an athlete. He was a family man. That was what he had most in common. We love our families. Whenever we got together, I would hug his children like they were my own, and he would embrace <laughs> my kids like they were his. His baby girl Gianna was born on the same day as my youngest daughter. I miss you already, brother. This is truly unbelievable. Everyone, please keep the Bryants in your prayers. Rest in peace. Yeah, it's so sweet to yeah. hear that
0: from Shaq. I yeah. mean, they, they had a strained relationship on the court because first. He, uh, Kobe always wanted the ball. He, don't give the ball to Shaq. I want the, no, I want the shot. I'm to take the game winner. Yeah. And, yeah. and but that that stress, that ten, I guess it's a better word is tension. Right. That tension really worked magic, magically on the on the floor.
1: And, and you could tell as they grew up a little bit and matured together as a team that they were able to actually use it to their advantage yeah. and win some championships. In so NBA. it was Kobe,
0: Shaq, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Those three. I that mean, was it was absolute magic. Yeah. And the thing yeah. about it was, even after Shaq left, Kobe was determined to prove himself mm-hmm. as a champion.
1: Mm-hmm don't need Shaq. I will do it. And he did it two more times. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's well That's, that, that's what remarkable. took him to, to that transcendent level yeah. of one of those amazing athletes in sports. It's the Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, Kobe yeah. Bryant, right. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar kind of a level that n- not anybody even really comes close yeah, to. I know. So,
0: so uh, I mentioned Kobe grew up in Italy, was a huge soccer fan, was a big supporter of the LA Galaxy, and eventually uh, the, the, foot, the other soccer team, uh, the uh, what's it called, the FC L- LA, okay. the Football Club LA, sure. that's, uh, that's so popular now. But he loved, loved soccer, and among the people that he re- that Kobe admired was Landon Donovan, and Landon spoke to our Lisa Remillard uh, and uh, sent us this quote. He, she says uh, that he told her. I'll never forget Kobe coming into our locker room after a game and getting to speak to him for a few minutes. He was one of very few sporting idols I had. I watched Kobe and the Lakers religiously as a young adult and was constantly inspired by his greatness. I'm so sad for
1: his family. It's rough. It's uh, it's one of those times where everybody's going to remember. It's almost like a a Michael Jackson died kind of a moment where everybody's going to remember where you were. Exactly. what was going on, how you found out one of those kind of scenarios that just really is going to resonate, I think, with us for the rest of our lives.
0: I drove past the crash site and uh, and was stunned, really, by yeah. just the feeling that this this is real, this has really happened. And you know, Kobe Bryant loved the helicopter. He hated the freeways. He was in a helicopter all the time. He was all, he flew back and forth to practices right. and games, right. and right. and on occasion, he'd get in his Ferrari and drive around. Mm-hmm. But but he really wanted to, to be able to get around, and, and I'm sure that this was just a normal thing. And, and uh, you know that this is this is this horrible way for him to pass away. We will learn more as the investigation gets mm-hmm. underway sure. uh, about what happened uh, in the crash, what was going on in the pilot's mind. The day, uh, of course, of this tragic accident was extremely foggy in the Calabasas Mountains there, in the Malibu uh, Mountains uh, Park there, and in very very dangerous conditions. We don't know if the weather had anything to do with it, whether the helicopter had a problem or anyth- anything like that. But we will be learning more throughout the days and weeks to come, but for now, Los Angeles is mourning the loss of one of its giants. Kobe Bryant is gone, and we extend our condolences to his family and all of his teammates and friends.
3: Has had his work featured on MTV, NBC, and ABC and has performed at music festivals all over the world.
0: Love the vibe of yeah. that. That's such a cool song and the story and the message. Incredible. And C is here. Well, we, we call you C or call you Chuck. What do
4: you, what, you can call me, Chuck? Chuck? Hi okay, Chuck. I can call you how Chuck. How are you? So, I'm good. Thank th- you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. And let me tell you that that music video is hauntingly beautiful with a great. Tell me about how the, the creation of this this theme was.
4: Well, when I wrote the song, Uh, stand with me tonight, I kind of went into it with this idea that I wanted to write the kind of song that I would want to dance to at uh, a wedding or a prom or something like that. So I kind of almost had this idea from the very beginning that I wanted to write the kind of song that I would have wanted to dance to Mm -hmm. at like my prom or something like that, a little bit. So that idea very much carried into the first time I sat down with Uh, the director, John Mm Matashak. We had a meeting in Nashville, actually. We shot this in Nashville. And um, I kind of had sketched out this terrible... I'm not a good artist. artist. I I sketched out this terrible, like, mirror ball that I wanted and then kind of, like, what the video ended up being. I sort of sketched out this stage here and I wanted the band and then... And the mood and all that. Yeah, and 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 the coloring and all that. Exactly. I wanted it to feel kind of, like, uh almost like a 90s prom scene but done in a very modern way with like some modern lighting and then i really wanted that mirror ball kind of moment yeah and um we went from there and then the director john matashak had he's just he's an incredible cinematographer Mm -hmm. as well so he has this beautiful way of working with light right and it was it just came together so perfectly i I don't think that uh i've ever been more proud of, of Video like piece of visual work that i 've done in that video
3: tell me about the music though I mean your your process of now that you're kind of on your own doing this, you write all your own stuff, obviously you perform your own stuff so tell me about your process of creating this kind of music and these kind of messages where does those all where does it all come from
4: i I think every song kind of comes a little bit differently. some mm-hmm. songs sometimes come very fully formed some songs um, I'm a pianist and uh i'll be sitting at the piano and kind of some melody will just find its way out as Mm -hmm. i'm playing or i'll think of a lyric a lot of times there's like one lyric idea that comes with stand with me tonight with that video actually Mm -hmm. the the melody that i sing with that that line would you stand with me tonight kind of came first before i had any other thing yeah i just had the and i knew i was like okay that's the title and that's also of the main hook chorus melody Mm -hmm. and then it kind of sat around in my head for a long time actually and I never (laughs) could figure out what the rest of the song was gonna be and then I remember one time I went to this keyboard store in Nashville and I started playing on this one instrument and immediately I got out my phone I record all these voice memos and I recorded um, the sound of this keyboard I ended up buying that keyboard taking it back to my studio, and then showing the producer that I was co-producing it with, and he ended up getting involved in the writing with me on that song, and we used that keyboard. It's called a prophet. Mm -hmm. It just had this perfect sound that immediately kind of inspired the rest rest of of the the song.
0: song. Do you find your songwriting becoming more proficient, or is it every single one is the new adventure?
4: It kind of feels like every one is like, a brand new, like I've never done it before. Isn't, that, isn't it a Which is terrifying. Yeah. It's amazing and it's terrifying because there's so many times where I sit down to write, you know, this is like my work, this yeah. is my job, yeah. this is what I love. I sit down, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a song today and it's just, nothing happens. Right. It's just, it doesn't go well or everything that I do just feels contrived and forced and I'm like, this isn't really, I can't do something that I don't emotionally really connect with. Right. Right. I just have a really hard time doing that, especially if it's writing and me performing it. Sure. So it is funny. That's (laughs) so true. Nobody's really ever said that. That guarantees your authenticity, Right.
3: In everything. So you have a brand new album coming this summer, but you've got new music, and Mm -hmm. we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about it, and you're going to perform for us. Yes, I am. All right. We'll be right back. Carlos and Lisa. I'm Lisa Remolak.
0: And I'm Carlos Omescu. It's nice to have you with us. Do you ever feel like your phone is watching you? I mean, we walk around with you. Look, I've got a thing that I can stick to Just my so finger. Just so you
3: can keep it with you at all it's times. It's like a
0: mini computer. It's in our hands all the time. It carries all my information, all of my data. Uh, the, this phone knows who I'm talking to, what I'm looking at, what I'm spending my time doing.
3: Where
5: you're all going.
0: day long. Passwords, photos, everything. All of it. Kind of scary.
3: Well, here's what's even scary. you ready, yeah. ready for me to go like this? <laughs> I did not know this until I, I read an article about it, and producer Jackie and I, our minds blew out the back of our heads. Uh-oh. There is a way for someone else to install software onto your phone so that that person can see everything you're doing.
0: Like spyware? <laughs> Stalkerware or stalkerware, yeah, yeah, that's another. That's a better word.
3: Stalkerware <laughs> or stalker apps are a thing, and they give a bad guy complete access to your digital life. Wow! So we spoke with the director of cybersecurity for the Electronic Frontier Foundation, Ava Galperin, who explained to us it is super easy for someone to track you. Really easy.
6: Uh, what you do is you, uh, you as a stalker. Pay for, a, uh, for access to a portal, which gives you the information from, uh, from the device. And you pay a monthly fee to the company. That is terrifying. That's it?
0: That's it. It's that easy?
3: It's that easy. Wow. Right?
0: Well, that's so, crazy.
3: But, okay. It, it's easy once you do this next step.
0: Okay. What is that? Is
3: actually installing it. So the bad guy, or whoever has access to your phone, has to have physical access to the phone.
0: Oh, so they have to actually have your phone.
3: And they have to know the password to get in. Mm -hmm. But once they're in, they download this software onto the device, and then they go, Mm -hmm. like she's saying, and pay the service.
0: Right. I get that.
3: And then the service gives them everything. (laughs) Everything. Everything. Complete access.
0: So this is okay. So I know this is this is all about stalkers and bad guys and people who may do do you harm and want to stalk you and see what's going on in your life. But parents are doing this with kids. So they're they're following their kids. They're putting this spyware on their phones to sure. follow them around and see who they're texting and what they're doing and what they're looking at.
3: It might be a great it's wait, a similar for parents positive thing. It, sure, yeah. but but it there are some nefarious kind of well, ways. Co- to use, yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. And and um, Eva says. She sees it a lot in the foundation um, that the bad guys aren't just these scary strangers like lurking no, on the internet. I mean, they've got to be people you know. Obvious. Yeah. Oftentimes, these people can be abusive partners um, who want to keep tabs on you, and then it becomes a real scary issue because they don't then, trust
0: you, or or they, or they do have you harm.
3: yeah, or they want to do yeah. you harm, or they want to know where you're at. Hmm. So um, it's also very interesting um, because in that foundation that she works for. They see a lot of this and a lot of reports of these kinds of things happening to people, Um, and so it's really interesting when we were talking about what information these people specifically are trying to get to.
6: Your phone is a tremendous uh, sort of center of intelligence uh, for people who are interested in what you're doing and uh, and what you're thinking. Access to your phone is the next best thing to access to your mind. It gives people. All of your usernames, all of your passwords, all of your pictures, all of your conversations, uh, your physical location, you're essentially carrying a tracking device around in your pocket at all times, um, and also your, uh, your emails, your banking, uh, all of your social
0: media accounts. It's very revealing. So everything's, everything's right there. Right. It's all available. Like I said, everything's on my phone, so you would know everything.
3: Right, and and just it's like think getting a, inside your head. Well, yeah, and just think <laughs> of all of the things that that person that has access to it yeah. can do with that information. They could easily set up new bank accounts, set up new phone lines. Well, sure. Yeah. Set up new accounts here or there, or even, you know, know exactly where you are at every, any given moment and show up
0: there. Yeah, yeah. Scary. Well, so uh, my wife has my password and I have her password. We know how to get into each other's phones. It's completely, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. we're it's an open thing. Nothing to hide. So there you go. So what's the problem? (laughs) Yeah, I see a lot of the look at your
3: Well, the problem is, is like I mean, sure. I mean, uh, lots of people do that, obviously, in relationships. Like, you have access to each other's stuff, and like that's how it works. But, you know, there comes a time, maybe, or maybe not, God willing, that those relationships go sour. Go
0: sour, yeah. And then you've got a problem.
3: Then you've got a problem. Um, Here is the scary part about these stalker apps, though. Um, There's no clear way to see those apps installed on oh, your phone. Don't, oh,
0: they don't pop up?
3: Sometimes they do, huh. sometimes they don't. That's interesting. Um, security experts say there are some things you can look out for, though. Okay, like? Um, if you see an app, so if sometimes if it, if it does have a physical app on your phone, and it does show up on your phone, then you'll see it, and if there's an app you don't recognize or you didn't install, delete it. But sometimes it doesn't have an app. A, a front oh, facing out so,
0: yeah. right. sometimes so it's, it's embedded it's in something else it's floating on your phone you can't right. see it okay.
3: um some other things to look out for is and i know this is this could be anything so don't just think
0: don't be alarmed
3: don't be alarmed <laughs> but if your battery doesn't last as long or your keyboard keys lag when you're typing ah. that might be an indication that somebody remotely is watching what you're doing but it could be that you have an old phone and your battery is yeah, dying. Right, you right, know, that could be yeah. that, too.
0: What about the location thing? Because I know this thing tracks yeah. me wherever I go. Yeah, so,
3: the, or your location services arrow is always on all the time. You may also have
0: something <laughs> Gosh, installed. Like, on one phone. more thing to worry about. Thank you very much, Lisa Remmeler. Look,
3: man, Jeez. I just, uh, you know, I watch the killer shows. You know, I watch all the killer shows. And so, I, like, I'm worried about this stuff all the time. Not that I have scary people in my life that have like, access to my phone. You but don't. Of course I don't. However, I'm always concerned about these things and I always feel like when things like this pop up around me, I'm like, I want to share this information (laughs) with you guys at home.
0: No, I'm scared. Thank you.
3: I'm sorry. So Eva (laughs) has some other advice for what we should look out for. Okay. If you're concerned about stalkerware, you can download
6: uh, an antivirus program from uh, Kaspersky or Malwarebytes or Lookout and you can run a scan and if you run the sort of highest level of scan it should be able to detect most of the uh, the most common uh, stalkerware programs uh, and the other thing that i recommend is uh, that uh, most accounts have a tab that shows you um, what devices have been logging into your account so you should look for unfamiliar devices you should look for logins that you don't recognize um, you should look for people using um, web browsers that you don't use or Um, a type of computer that you don't use or some sort of uh, device that looks unfamiliar to you or that's logging in from a location that you don't go to.
0: Wow. So, how do you protect yourself from all this? Yeah.
3: So she says it's important to just keep your. I mean, phone I see
0: you can go to you can go to a malware check or something. Yeah, I see. Right. That, yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, she could, I asked her too about this Kaspersky. That I mean, there's yeah. a lot of different malware checkers that you can sure, you yeah. can purchase or look into. Which is
0: also complicated.
3: It's it <laughs> it's can not be. an easy thing to do. It, no, it's not. No. And especially if you're not familiar with the phones or familiar with these types of apps and devices and downloads and searches and scans, yeah, like it yeah, can get yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. Um, the best thing. She, to do she said is to keep your password private I know you want to share it with your significant other but she said it's it, it you open yourself up to this type of thing if somebody else knows your yeah. personal information
0: can you can you reset everything like factory reset and get rid of everything of course. you can, start over well,
3: I mean yeah, which but is do, hard I but mean do you really <laughs> want to get rid of all your stuff I mean what a nightmare that is that you know? is a tough thing but yeah. but you can also continually change your passcode that's yeah. another way to protect so yourself So
0: one, two, three, four, five, six. Not, no, a, not good a good password. password.
3: <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six. All right, not be good. careful.
0: And if you notice all those things, yeah, take charge. That. Take charge of your life.
3: Yeah, don't let people have access to your yeah. stuff. All right, we'll be right back.
1: Next, meet the woman whose real-life events inspired Dirty John. How Tara Newell explains what happened when the man her mom was dating tried to kill her.
3: The very popular podcast turned TV drama Dirty John was based on the real life story of Deborah Newell and the con man that she fell in love with and the ultimate betrayal and demise of the abuse of John at the hands of Deborah's daughter, Tara.
0: This is an absolute amazing. Incredible story. Incredible story. The real Tara Newell has taken that experience and is now trying to inspire others to recognize the signs of abuse in relationship and Tara is here to talk all about it. Hi, Hi Tara. Tara.
3: Hi, thank you so much for having me. My gosh, thank you for coming.
0: I don't even know where to start. Where do we back up and how do, how do we get to where we get, talk about this this issue but uh, I guess your, your mom met this person, John. Yes. And tell me, tell me that at the beginning it's all wonderful and great, right? It's a great relationship. Let's let's start there.
5: For her. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> but, really? Yes. Okay. You
3: recognized early that he something was not right with him.
5: So I only met him twice, like the full time that I knew him. Well, three times because of the end, Um, Uh. but I only met him like twice. I went to uh, Thanksgiving the weekend before Thanksgiving, and um, I actually didn't go to Thanksgiving Day. Because I wasn't allowed because an incident happened the day before Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. but he, but what was it
3: about him that you, you just instinctively knew something wasn't right? What was it that you recognized that now you're going back in your head saying I should have said something more?
5: I, well, I honestly don't think that there's anything that I could say more of because I was verbal about it and I did notice him not look people in the eyes when he he was talking to them. Also, he would use my mom's cars. He had elaborate stories of why he didn't have his cars and a house and so on. It was just like all these crazy stories. And I was like, wait a minute, this sounds really elaborate and sounds untrue. Mm -hmm. And I want to know why he's using your car all the time Mm -hmm. because insurance would, you know get you the money right away if you had an accident in the yeah car or whatever yeah, excuse he was yeah. giving, or get your rental so, car so
0: right away in the relationship he was taking advantage of your mom in every possible way yeah and you didn't like it
5: yeah I didn't like it and my sister actually lived with my mom for a minute and they lived together and they had to separate because my sister didn't like John and she knew something was up about him and my mom moved to Balboa to get separate that and have a happy relationship.
3: And then, of course, we know what happens if you watch the show or or listen to the podcast at all. I mean, what, what ultimately happens with all of that? But, I mean, how difficult was it for you? Because I think there's a lot of people that watch that know of a loved one, maybe it's their mom, maybe it's their sister, maybe it's their aunt, maybe it's their friend, that gets involved with a man like this or even a woman like this who does something who's a con artist. What's it like for you as the person who loves that woman or man?
5: Well, I felt like I was losing my mind. I felt like I was going crazy. I, my mom and I got into this fight and it really derailed our relationship for a minute because I've never had that feedback from my mom before. And my mom was so, in love with this guy and she couldn't see that like he was so mean to me and I don't cause problems with people like that. So it was just like he caused a problem with her youngest like sweeter daughter in like her mind. So it was like, why couldn't she see that something was wrong with that? Right.
0: So then so then what happened? So at some point, she, she stopped helping enabling him and all of his his cons and threatened, how did it end up that you ended up being threatened by him, and then what happened?
5: Um, So my mom left him once, and then he was able to convince her with a lawyer that everything that we found out wasn't true, even though it was. Mm -hmm. And then she got back together with him, she learned that it was true, and then got together with a lawyer to figure out how to leave. And then um, she left him, but she had to plan and save money in order to get away, because leaving someone like this is so dangerous that you need to do it the smartest way possible.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And so, in the moment,
3: and I don't mean to bring up horrible incidents, oh, okay. but, you know, in the end, you had to kill him. Yes. And which, how did that happen? That, which, I mean, I couldn't imagine as a woman, yeah. a young woman, to have a big man like that approach you
5: and and... Basically, try and kill you yeah what what was that like for you? I mean, it was very traumatic and in the instant, I was trying to get to the Jason Aldean concert, oh, right. so I was just <laughs> like, Priority, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> So it was just like, uh, not today, you know. Right. Not, I was not like, today. <laughs> you can't kill me today. I got to go to Jason Aldean. Yeah. But- wow. <laughs> so I just like, well, I saw him, and he looked me in the eyes and grabbed me by the waist and said, do you remember me? And when I looked up at him, I knew that it was either him or me, and he wasn't there to just take me to go get coffee or something he was there to kill me and kidnap wow. me and so he, i he tried to like push me towards his trunk but i started to try to flee away and when i tried to flee away i was unable to disconnect i ended up on the floor and then that's when i realized he had a knife and he actually did stab me and um i was able to kick the knife out of his hand and it landed right here and I right-handed, so I picked it up and I just started wailing back on him. And oh, then my yeah. dog was there also in the attack with me, um, biting his ankles. That's
3: and And obviously he was trying to hurt you to get back at your mom. yeah, Or to try and to threaten her again or do whatever it was, you know, his normal con that he yes. did for all of these years. Um, what did your mom, I mean, I, obviously we saw in the TV show, but I want to know in real life when your mom came to the hospital and saw you in that condition and realized what had, got, what had happened to you, Did she? what did she say to you about all of those times that you said, Mom, you've got to get away from him?
5: I don't think that I really wanted to say anything about that because as much as this person was such a bad person. There was still a connection of love there. And I, I've i been with someone that was a narcissist before. And I understand that it can be so confusing. Mm-hmm. Like you think that this person has goodness in them and you want to see that. But really they're a horrible person. Mm-hmm. And I think that I was just so happy to have her there that I just... Gave her a hug, and that's all I wanted was my mom. Right.
0: Well, you are a powerful, brave woman, yeah. and uh, we commend you for for surviving She's, and being such a gracious person now. But I, we have so much more to talk. Yeah, to about. Yeah, we definitely now. do.
3: We're going to talk about what you're doing now because you you're taking this experience and doing a lot for other people. So we'll take yeah. a quick break, and we'll be right back with Tara.
0: So we're continuing our conversation with Tara, Uh, let's talk about an an amazing resilient woman.
3: I know. You are definitely that. So, I mean, after such a traumatic experience happened to you, now you're taking that experience and trying to help other people recognize these signs. What have you found that they have said to you when you explain to them your story and what they should be looking for?
5: I'm talking about red flags Mm -hmm. and what they should do, Um, well, a lot of the red flags is you know, social aspects of it. You know, um, people that don't know how to socialize correctly. Like someone could be extremely charming, and a lot of the times, you know, people that are super charming at first, like it's, they want something from you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a sign, but you know, they could also just be a bubbly person. Right, right. So you just have to kind of trust your gut in that, Um, really your gut instinct, your body, has so many cells in it, your your stomach has more cells than a dog has in its entire body. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you have to trust yourself. And if you think about dogs and how they act about people. They react, they, yeah, they, 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 have, they have this other, yeah. That's other sense. We have that too, so we have to use that and utilize that.
0: And so you you go out and you're speaking now and you're doing, uh, you know, self-help kinds of things. What's the number one thing that people are so afraid of?
5: I think it's finding the love of your life and then realizing that this person is not who you've fallen in love with and not who you thought they were. Wow. And you know, as a woman and as a man, we're created to kind of come together and so It's the scariest thing when you know, the person that you wanna have children with is so evil. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanna
3: talk about your podcast now, too, because not only do you go out and speak to people, but you have this podcast. Yes.
5: Tell me what the name of the podcast is and what the goal of that is. Okay, so my podcast is called Time Out with Tara. I talk to a lot of people, like friends, influencers, people that have interesting stories that can help other people, Um, but I talk to a wide variety of people, Mm -hmm. and in that I ask them questions about like dating. I also like to ask them questions about their kids, if they have kids. Kids right. and parenting because I feel like narcissism starts from parenting right. and you could create a narcissistic kid right. so it's really important to be aware of what you're doing and what you're putting out there and to honestly change yourself if you realize that there's a bad pattern in it and it's just moving forward and hopefully people can listen to my podcast and be like okay I Learn that, and mm-hmm. I need to have boundaries up with this person, or so on.
0: I'm, I'm amazed at how, and I, I, I'm going to put this as delicately as I can. Delicately as I can. Not, dam, You don't appear damaged by what happened. You have definitely moved on. You're bright-eyed. You're very positive, loving, warm person. I would, I would think that someone who went through that would be very dark, would have no way of coming out of it. You obviously have come out of it and are helping other people doing that. How did you do that?
5: Well, I think that this is really my life purpose now. Before I was grooming dogs and that was great, (laughs) but I didn't have a purpose in life, you know? It was to make the dog pretty and like, how far does that go? So I feel like when we started speaking out, it was at first kind of more so a therapy and to help other people, but then I started getting back feedback and just that that I've gotten back it's been so great because they've told me that they've left their significant other because they were a narcissist and they realized that because they follow me on instagram or they listen to the story and then this one girl messaged me told me that she got out of an attack because she did what I told her to do in a podcast isn't that incredible
3: well it certainly is a mission in life that you have now find your found yourself on and, and just real quick how's your mom? She's good. She's good yeah, and I'm dating. Her well. and we yeah. wish her she's dating and yeah. she, I, we wish her well. And you, thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing Tara. your story thank with you so us. Much. We really appreciate Hopefully you Hopefully what has happened to you somebody else can learn from it and yeah. and and be strong as well. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Tara.
0: You got a surprise for me. This
3: makes you're gonna like this. I love good toilet humor.
0: Oh, yes, of okay. course. Okay.
3: So, um, have you ever been in the situation in the restroom? Yes. And then you look, and there's, and there's no, no toilet tippy,
0: paper. Yes.
3: And you that that you. Sheer panic comes your well, face because you're like, now what?
0: You don't want to be walking around the bathroom <laughs> looking for toilet paper. Right, 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 with your right, pants around your ankle? Right. If, if that's what you're saying. <laughs> that's exactly what
3: I'm saying. Because
6: Which is embarrassing. You never, to you the least.
3: You never know <laughs> what could go awry yes. here. Okay. So Charmin uh-huh. has designed something to help us out. Okay. I introduce to you. Here we go. The TP robot. Oh. It is a robot <laughs> equipped with TP. Controlled by your phone. Oh, since, no way. Since you know you have it in the bathroom with you anyway, you gross human beings. And it will bring you said toilet paper roll.
0: Oh, that's hilarious. So here's the thing. Instead of putting uh, extra toilet paper rolls on top of your toilet, which is what you should do so you don't run out. <laughs> when you forget, you, you you go, oh, but wait. I have-, I have my phone. I can call my toilet paper <laughs> robot. <laughs> exactly.
3: I love the toilet paper. Charmin roll.
0: to the rescue. <laughs> this is a
3: genius idea. Why didn't they think of this oh, sooner? Oh gosh, I love that. Right?
0: So, so this is, this was this a CES. is at
3: C- yeah, okay. and okay. I and it's a prototype. I mean it's not available yet, but, but Well you I got think a Roomba. What I had
0: a white ba. <laughs>
5: <laughs> That's disgusting. A wipe ba. So I just
0: branded it. <laughs> You're welcome, Sharman. I just gave you the name for your little robot, He, White will, bug.
3: he will only take 10% <laughs> only of 10%. your profit. So anyway, that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for being with us. You can watch us anytime on Beyond TV. That's
0: B-E-O-N-D dot TV. Happy wiping.
3: That's disgusting, Carlos. <laughs> That's
6: so disgusting. <laughs>